covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, it's Jeff Floyd. Um, look, we're going to get through the week here. A little switch in the lineup this week. We're going to do the PFF stuff with John Costco tonight. Uh, we'll do the film breakdown with Jake Burns. Guys, if, as you see, we're starting to together, starting to put together here a little bit of a lineup. You know, Pete Smith with the post game, whether you love him or hate him. And you guys, as much as you all hate him, you do like to listen. Uh, John's nice enough to come on with the PFF scores when we go through this stuff. We get John's perspective. Obviously, you know, follows his team as well. Jake Burns with the film breakdown. The Wednesdays, we do have crossover Wednesdays where we'll, you know, get together with the host of the other team, sit down, break some bread, you know, locked on network style and get a preview of that game. Uh, I do have a special feature we're going to start here this week. Um, we're going to call it the quarter mark. And if you guys can kind of listen to the second part of that, he's been on the show before. We're going to get together with him once a month. We'll do the quarter mark. We'll do the halfway mark, the three-quarter mark. But I'm really looking forward to that. And obviously the last show I'll give you you know, is you know the, the pregame ta- tailgate edition where I try to find the best of you know the opponent's Beat writers, media, whatever. So it'll be somebody Ravens-wise. But we're really going to get into it, guys. We'll you know, give you five to six shows a week. Uh, so we're going to do the PFF scores tonight. And it was, you know, I, I guess the way the game broke down, I, I guess the scores kind of balanced out what you saw. There was some really good, and then there was just down from there. But we're going to get into this tonight with John Costco. John, so much for joining here again. I appreciate that we can try to make this a regular thing. I mean, you with two young boys, me with two young girls. We kind of got to balance it all out, but it's always nice to just sit down for 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is, and talk some ball. So I appreciate you having coming on here tonight, John. Yeah, my, my pleasure. And, uh, uh, dealing with, with, obviously, Mondays are really busy uh, coming off the weekend. We're doing our All-22 work, uh, getting finished up with that. And then uh, I get to at least spend a little bit of time with the boys before we put them down to bed and then get right back to work. And uh, luckily, I don't have to do the Monday night game. I can just watch it and enjoy it if I, you know, uh, watching it in, in spurts or whatever. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to sit down and break this kind of down and look more into depth into the stats and the grades of uh, what happened in the game. Uh, yes, and um, for me personally, uh, Patrick Mahomes, pile up some points here. Daddy needs wins. Daddy needs fantasy wins. So go ahead, Patrick Mahomes. Stop playing with this conservative style. I don't care I'm about playing getting it. I'm playing against Patrick Mahomes, and I have Cream Hunt, so I need I need Hunt to like get me points. Though I I did the dumb thing and didn't play Cooper Cup, and so that that pretty much has lost me the game. Well, then here we go. Just throw Cream Hunt like ten balls. Make us both happy on this one. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> before we dig into it, John. But here's the first thing. Obviously, you know, you guys are watching these games live, and this is one thing. And actually, you know, I had a listener actually uh, message me on the Locked On Browns account. How good of a feel do you guys get? Just from the initial plays that you're seeing, um, obviously you guys have been with PFF, you know, guys like yourself have been there a while. Like, how good of a feeling do you get? Like, oh, that's going to be a good score. Or is it more of a, you know what, I got to go down and break it down after this and see whether or not what I initially saw was as good? Yeah, so I guess I can talk a little bit about the how PFF works and how we do our grading and, and data collection. Um, you know, first run when the game's going live on broadcast, we have um, multiple different processes. There's the base data, which is essentially getting your play-by-play uh, basics, uh, location stats. Uh, you got player participation, which is, you know, obviously tracking all the players in the field, what position they're at. Uh, and then you've got the analysis process, which is grading uh, the the players and uh, getting 
uh, the advanced data, you know, stats in there with time to throw, the pressures and all that stuff. So um, we do all this live and, and it charts and gets uploaded live into our um, our database. Um, and then it doesn't get uh, published for the grades until after we've gotten all 22 tape and, and gone over the reviews. So obviously, after right after it's live and while we're doing it live, it, we have a very good feel for it because... Um, we're only putting our best guys on NFL games to grade them. So the first run is naturally going to be really accurate. Um, and then getting all 22 is usually cleaning up like stuff where you can't see if there's a miscommunication with the route and, uh, you know, what happened on a blitz pickup or something like that for the offensive line. So that's kind of like a, you know, a quick synopsis of how it works. And so after a first run, we have a really good idea of, you know, where this guy's going to end up in, in the grand scheme of the grading. Um, Baker's game, you know, looking at it live, I knew that it was going to be a pretty good game because um, right off the bat, you know, I knew three of his turnovers more, you know, weren't on him. The interception at the end of the game was, uh, it was kind of, a, there was a question mark for me at least when I was, when I was watching it live because he couldn't see exactly what Callaway was doing with his route, but, Baker kind of forced that one. It's something that, you know, he had other options that he could have checked it down to. Um, and the Callaway did lose it in the air. So there was a miscommunication there. But when, you, when you're throwing against, uh, you know, a double move like that against a, a safety over the top, you have to put that, you know, if you want, want to make sure that it's not intercepted, you got to put it in a different spot. So he put it in a risky spot. I understand why he did it, but that's the, that was his only uh, egregious mistake in the game that he made. And you and the thing with Baker is, and you know, he didn't turn the ball much over at Oklahoma, but he, Baker's the kind of guy, and the mentality he has, and the player he is. There's always going to be those, you know, the heat meter throws. You know, like the guy who shoots the thirty foot three in the NBA. Baker gets himself into that, and you know, this is something he's going to learn because he got away with this at times in Oklahoma, where you know, he had you know the better X's versus the O's. But I think he's going to learn a little bit more about this. And, you know, we both talked a little bit pre-show. Antonio Callaway, look, there's promising signs here. And you can see, you know, he's going to be somewhat of a playmaker. But there's a lot on his plate for a guy who didn't play football in 2017. And now you're in the NFL. And all of a sudden now you went from Tyrod Taylor where it was, you know, not a lot was going to happen to where it's Baker Mayfield. This, you know, offense is running at a much faster pace so you know, there's going to be these continual, continuous type of you know growing pains with Antonio Callaway. Not a great score, but with the mistakes he made, still came back with a crucial, crucial play late in the game on the 58-yard reception. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we grade the drops, and the drops were all you know critical mistakes, not especially the first one, which went off his hands and into the defender's hands for a, uh, a pick six. You know that obviously is not a Baker. Baker is throwing it to the you know right to the to the correct spot where um, Callaway should have been. Obviously, he slipped a little bit coming out of his break, um, and then on top of it, you know, compounded it with a with a drop. So yeah, he redeemed himself a bit on that that big catch. It would have been nice for him to to make it into the end zone. It looked like he hurt himself on that play somehow. But um, yeah, I mean, the talent there, and you can see it is, is obvious. And obviously, this is a guy that didn't play football last year, so he's got to get back into the rhythm of like uh, playing football essentially and, and you know concentrating and catching the ball and doing all the little things and 
right, you know, running your correct routes. He has the natural ability, but he's got to really fine tune those details. So, you know, I, I think it's uh, he's a guy that you look at that first preseason game where he came out in the first half and really struggled, dropped a lot of passes. They stuck with him. Obviously, that he was being punished, quote unquote, or whatever. But um, <laughs> in the second half, he he redeemed himself and played a lot better, and obviously had that that big catch and run for a touchdown. Uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of that game. Obviously, this is much more important, and the fact that he was that his drops turned into much worse th- uh, things than they did in that preseason game. But um, I think that you know, hopefully, that second half is a springboard for giving him that confidence boost and knowing that he can. You know, just just play football and, and just catch the ball because he, if he can just do that, you know, obviously the, the sky is the limit for this guy. Yeah, and you know, w- you know, week two, obviously the huge, huge, you know, touchdown reception in New Orleans, you know, almost near a, a hundred total yards, but now obviously with Tyrod Taylor going out week three, here it is Antonio Callaway. All of a sudden, oh man, here we go, new quarterback. I got to get used to this again. And, you know, I, as much as I question the pick, you know, because, you know, with a guy like that type of history, I do get nervous about, he's he's finding a way to contribute. And, you know, it's, you know, at times it's ugly and at times you're scratching your head, but he's got that ability and you can see, you know, why the Browns made this pick. But now here he is adjusting to, you know, Baker Mayfield. And so now this is, you know, two quarterbacks in two and a half months as, you know, for a guy who hadn't played football in 18 months so there's a lot going on here. So, you know, obviously you guys, you know, the, the PFF scoring system isn't going to give him a break because he took off of 2017, which nobody should. I mean, it's his own damn fault he didn't play in 2017. But there's a lot going on, and it shows the rawness of the selection they made with him. But you see why they did make it. Guys. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Sorry. I'm just, you know, our grading is just it was purely a production on film type stuff, you know. So, like, it's, you know... I, we can, you know, there's always context to the grade. So, like, uh, a lot goes into, like, you know, why why somebody might grade a certain way. So, it's, you know, a grade is just a number, um, but how that number is built and, you know, other factors contribute to that number. And it's not solely just what happened on, I mean, you know, obviously it is what's happened on the field, but why, you know, for him, like, um, you know, who knows other off-field stuff that's going on in his, his life that he's really trying to, you know, juggle all of that. So he's got a lot on his plate, not just on the football field that he's being asked to do, but um, he's trying to get his, you know, you know, complete lifestyle change too. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. It's not, it's what can be a bad grade is, could be something that's fa- uh, affecting him outside of the, of the actual game. Exactly. I mean, a lot going on for Antonio Callaway, but look, I mean, when you're going to play this much youth, you got to expect that, you know, not all of it is going to be that ready to contribute. Uh, guys, look, we all love a night out. Uh, for me, whether it's you know my wife and my daughters, they love live music. Uh, you know, when you get a few date nights out, I do get some. Uh, you know, concerts with my wife. One good thing that we both enjoy and appreciate and have a good time with. Uh, for me, live sporting events, which brings us guys to Vivid Seats. Uh, Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort it out by price. Or you can look for seats in specific sections, uh, you know, row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners to the Locked On Network, to Locked On Browns, an exclusive promo code for any new customers to receive a $20 off of their first purchase of $200 or more. And guys, we all know the prices of sporting tickets. We all know the prices of, you know, concerts, 
plays, we know what they cost. So go to the App Store, go to Google Play, whatever you use. Download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code locked on for $20 off your first order or any order of $200 or more. Uh, you know, for any new customer at Vivid Seats, every purchase is backed by 100% buying buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to you know, theater in your area. Obviously, you guys know I'm on the west coast, so that's a big thing here. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter the promo code locked on for $20 off of orders of $200 or more for any new customer for Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite event. John, now I do want to get into this. Um, we talked last week, and we're going to talk again. Um, the rookie, undrafted free agent, left tackle, four weeks, just keeps going up, 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 and up. Desmond Harrison, with now a PFF score a- after this Sunday of 72.3. And as much as I was concerned about throwing him out there week one, it's getting better and better, and it's a crazy, crazy thing when you talk about the fact that you may have a left tackle three, four, five, six years, and it literally costs you nothing. You got him off the street. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's obviously luck, and, and sometimes luck plays a good part in the game of football. Um, this is a guy like, you know, like I had said last week, it's not our grade on him wasn't because it was he was getting whipped on the field. He was poor in run blocking. That That is true. But it's not like he got destroyed in, in, in pass pro. It was because of the discipline penalties that he was incurring. And, you know, some people don't don't grade those, and but we do. And that's because when you have a penalty, that affects what happens on the, on the field. You, obviously, a first and 10 is much better than a first and 15 or whatever. So, or if he holds, and then you're looking at first and 20. So that that matters. And so um, he's, he's obviously cut down on any of those penalties he, uh, and has played much better uh, in pass protection. He was fantastic this, this past weekend, uh, just gave up one hit on, on all of his pass protection plays. So on 48 pass block. So phenomenal numbers there. Uh, the whole offensive line really did an excellent job in protecting Mayfield. Um, I know that one of his, one of his sacks was on a boot, and then another one was given up by Zeitler, so, which was the uh, the strip sack when he was, uh, you know, down in the by the, near the goal line. So, uh, really good job by the offense on the whole. Desmond Harrison filling coming into those just filling those shoes of Joe Thomas quite well. Obviously, it's just one quarter of the season, but uh, the improvement is encouraging. Uh, the offensive line as a whole is is starting to gel together. Um, Pretty much like I thought it would. You know, you talk about like Zeitler missing pretty much all preseason. You had uh, Batonio at left tackle and, and Corbett at right left guard. So they had to obviously get some playing time together. Now that they have, they're they're figuring it out and really gelling pretty well. And guys, um, as he's talking about the offensive line and their pass blocking prowess, the lowest score was seventy six and a half for Chris Hubbard. Everybody was north of that, and you know, uh, as far as a good performance from PFF, once you start trending, you know, high seventies into the low eighties, it's a solid, solid performance. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of it has to do with the fact that Tyrod Taylor wasn't the anticipator or the pre-snap alignment guy that Baker Mayfield is. I think also part of it is is maybe these guys all everybody's carrying themselves with a little bigger hitch in their giddy up. They're excited. They, they see maybe where this is headed, 
But the offensive line, it was a solid, solid effort pass blocking-wise. The PF gra- PFF grades confirm it. John, I do want to get to one more thing here offensively. And it, 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 was, it was a rough night with the tweets because I, I tried to tell. Carlos Hyde is doing a fine job. That's, it's great, and he, he's doing a fine job. The problem is you have a much younger, much more, a much better athletic guy at the running back position in Nick Chubb. And here's the thing, John, and I know you'll relate to this. Um, if you want to go to the movie The Program, Nick Chubb is Darnell Jefferson. Carlos Hyde is Ray Griffin. Uh, the, the hitch with <laughs> Darnell Jefferson was the fumbling. The concern of the hitch with Nick Chubb was maybe the pass blocking. Baker Mayfield alleviates that a lot, which we see from the grades for this offensive line. If you get rid of the ball quicker, it's a lot easier to pass block. But we got to get to a point here where we get more of an even flow, or even if not, it's time for Nick Chubb to get a little bit bigger you know, piece of this pie. Yeah, I think... There's, there's some podcast that I was on uh, in either like July or early August where they were asked something. I was asked if how the this running back group would work out, and I said that Hyde would be the the bell cow guy early on in the season. But I thought that that Chubb would, as the season went along, would get more and more and more carries, and eventually overtake him. And I think that's what's going to happen. I, it, you you see it that he had obviously had a monstrous game with. You know, just three carries. He had 105 yards and, and two touchdowns. Broke four tackles. Uh, had a, had a PFF grade of 97 something. Uh, phenomenal game. And just because of uh, uh, obviously when you have two big long runs like that, it's your grades on a on a small sample size is going to be really good. Um, and this is a guy that like in terms of college, I really love this guy coming out of college. I didn't like where they picked him because I'm. I'm of the mind that you can draft running backs in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round and get really good production out of them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think his pass protection needs to get better. And I, but I don't really think like it matters when uh, if you just go, hey, you're just going to go out. We'll have a tight end stay in the chip or something like that. Uh, we'll get you the ball to the flatter. You know, if, even if you have like a 75%, 25%, you know, oh, when Duke's in the game, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a pass. Who cares? You know, like, <laughs> like get the If you have playmakers that can make plays for you, get them the ball. If it, if you put Chubb in there and it's going to be a 70% run situation, you know, I think that you can use that to your advantage and, and kind of go off with play action and uh, do some more, you know, open up the, the pass game that way. So, uh, you can you can utilize the talent and the and the personnel to your advantage um, if you if you're concerned about his pass blocking abilities. But I think uh, he provides enough as a runner that the pass blocking is not a not a big deal to me. Yeah, and like I said, I I, I think Baker just has a better idea pre snap, and I think he gets to where he wants to be quicker. Um, and you know the one thing we've seen the little bit we've seen of Baker is. Even if a blitz comes, he's the guy who says, all right, well, the blitz is coming from the left, which means somebody should be open to the left. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, I think it's time to, you know, if you had concerns through the first couple of weeks and maybe we need to do this for Tyrod, there's times where maybe now we have to shift that this is now Baker's team and Baker's future. And the other thing is, is we don't see a playoff team here. So let's start playing what's going to be the next two or three years of this Cleveland Browns team. 
We seem to be doing it everywhere else, but the one concern is with Nick Chubb. I mean, you know, Antonio Callaway is allowed to go out there and make some rookie mistakes. Look, whether or not Nick Chubb makes them or not, I don't know. But it's time to get Nick Chubb, and if he makes a rookie mistake, he learns from it. It's time to start trending that way, trending that way, because you just see a tremendous difference in these guys. Um, we're gonna go kick it off, guys. John Costco here from PFF. You know, talking player grades. Obviously, John knows this team well, so everybody has insight along with the grades. Demarius Randall, phenomenal week, and. I think one of the things that makes it all the more impressive is is right now Demarius Randall is barely even practicing. So whether it's John Dorsey combined with Mr. Highsmith and Mr. Wolf, or it was Mr. Highsmith and Mr. Wolf, uh, Deshaun Kaiser no longer here. Demarius Randall and he's really, really playing well. And after what we saw last year, God knows this team needed a free safety. They took a guy who was playing cornerback with free safety experience from the Green Bay Packers. And Demarius Randall has taken to this role like a fish to water. Yeah, I mean, obviously Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith knew, knew this guy well and what he could do, and he graded well for us in college. And the one season we had on him as a free safety, uh, obviously a transition like that, um, you know, he hadn't played in the NFL. It was kind of going to be uncertain whether or not he could, how seamless it would be. And obviously, it's been a really good move for the Browns. Uh, kudos to the whole entire front office of pulling that off because I mean, you're looking, I mean, <laughs> you have, you have Kaiser and you, what he was last year compared to like what obviously, you know, just obviously through the six quarters, what Baker's been and you got Randall on top of it. I mean, it's a night and day difference. It's, you know, free safety is a very important piece of this defense and he's playing at an extremely high level. He's currently grading out as the number eight overall safety in the NFL. Um, just, Really, really awesome addition to this team. Um, and, you know, we had talked about this last week and just really kind of solidifying that, that back end for this team. Obviously, this past weekend was not the, the, the results that you want to see, giving up 400-plus yards in the air. But um, you can't put that on him. And he was he did everything in his part to, to help win this game with, with interceptions. Yeah, I, it was a tremendous effort from him. And... I think part of the thing was, and you know, nobody wants to, you know, some people give me a hard time. John Gruden still knows this game. He still knows it pretty well. And, you know, so, you know, Greg Williams got his lunch handed to him because I think John Gruden, with all the film study they did, is, is Derek, this ball's got to be out in less than three seconds. If it's not out in less than three seconds, it's going to be a party and it's going to be all over your number four jersey. Well, you want to. 2.5 seconds and 75% of his passes were under 2.5 seconds. So he was getting out of, he was getting rid of the ball extremely quickly, not just quickly, but extremely quickly. And he's like, we said last week, this is a guy that gets the ball out of his hand fast anyways. Um, and he took it to another level this weekend. And, you know, Miles Garrett had a, had a really solid game. You know, had a, had a sack, a hit and five hurries. Um, and then he beat, uh, what's his face? Uh, Colton Miller and yes. whoever whoever else was was trying to block him on, on a number of other occasions, uh, four other occasions. So it's you know because the ball was getting out so quickly, he wasn't able to get to the quarterback uh, even after beating the, the offensive lineman. Uh, they were you know I don't have the numbers in front of me of how often he was double teamed. We 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 chart that stuff too, and uh, but he was constantly getting chipped, double teamed, uh, you know help from somebody else. So uh, 
they they put a lot of attention onto him, and it helps free up a guy like you know, Jenard Avery. I was, I think I'm saying that right now, right? Yes, Jenard Avery. Yeah, Jenard Avery. Yes, Jenard Avery. Somebody called me out on that this um, past week on Twitter. So, um, but he's another guy that like uh, you have to account for him because he's so good as a pass rusher. Um, and then Okunjobi, kind of a quieter game for him this. This week, obviously, that interior offensive line of the, the Raiders is one of the best in the NFL with Osemele and Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – it, Gruden, Gruden did a really good job of – I mean, he's still a really good coach. Like, I, I don't – people people are obviously criticizing him this offseason for a lot of the moves he made and obviously, you know, trading away uh, Khalil Mack and stuff. But he could still coach. Like, he knows – I mean, he took he, – he, Obviously had a Buccaneers team that was competitive. Obviously turned the, the Raiders into a Super Bowl contender when he was the coach there. Uh, won a Super Bowl. So, like, it's not like the, he forgot all of a sudden how to, uh, you know, game plan and scheme against uh, uh, defenses. He's He was a, a known as an offensive wizard, and he saw it. Like, he was able to put up, you know, get this team in position and put up, obviously, 45 points, and not all of it was the offense or whatever, so – but uh, helped out by the Browns, you know, offense by turning the ball over. But um, still, like, you know, he put up 400-plus yards of, uh, through the air. I mean, he's he's still John Gruden that's a Super Bowl champ. So, you know. Yeah, and I had, I had add on uh, for the, the pregame show, I had on Ted Nguyen, uh, you know, works with the Athletic NFL. He's a big Raiders guy, you know, at football uh, underscore film study. And he just, he, he said, I'm sorry, film analysis, but he's like, look, he's like, this offense isn't as bad. He's like, you know, John had a problem game planning for 60 minutes, but they are doing a good job on offense. And, he, you know, he thought, you know, the Raiders would find a way to win this game. Nobody thought 45-42. But, uh, but you know, you know, Ted was kind of on, and he kind of felt that, you know, John was still with it. And, you know, the fact that he, you know, him and Derek Carr, apparently the entire offseason were having a personal, you know, battle with each other of who could get to the facility earliest so, I mean, you could see that John didn't, you know, the success wasn't there right away, but John Gruden did not come into this, you know, half-hearted. Uh, guys, since I've ever taken over the podcast, a lot of people ask me for advice, football advice. Uh, most everybody wants to know, you know, which team should I bet on this week? I can't guarantee you that. What I can tell you is that who you're going to bet with is just as important as who you're going to bet on. That's why I always tell people, go with mybookie.com. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. The online reviews are stellar. The mobile app and mobile sites are extremely easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been, you know, to my listeners, that's been good to me in the past. Guys, I tell you all the time, I don't bet much, but if I'm going to do it, I do it with MyBookie.com. Uh, I urge you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy players. That's my favorite part of it. And the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is currently flooded with new customers. So what they're doing, and guys, my bookie is always good to you. So if you make your account or create your account after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you $25 free towards your account of any deposit over $100. Here is what the other thing you get. So if you deposit that $100 to get your free $25, they will match your initial deposit. So not only it's they're giving you $125 of their money for 100 years, $225. It's a great way to do it, guys. Free money to bet with. 
use a new promo code, promo code for this one, guys. It is locked on capital L, capital O, 25. Visit MyBookie today. That is MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. John, before we start to put a ball on this, I do want to get to this one. Um, big question today, and this was, a, I mean, three weeks ago, nobody really would have thought much of it. Um, I know we talked about him last week, and he actually became a guy that we talked about week in, week out on the show here. You know, because when you get a cornerback number two who's willing to participate in, you know, tackling and get his nose dirty and is creating turnovers, but Terrence Mitchell, gruesome injury, had surgery today. This is a really tough loss for this franchise. Yeah, um, he, like we said last week, he's a guy that really surprised me, and uh, obviously his aggressiveness and this is playing. And everything we saw from camp was him getting waxed by Jarvis Landry. Maybe he got better because of it, but I mean, yeah. he was really good. But he was he was he was really showing up well as the cornerback number two. Yeah, and you know, obviously small sample size and stuff like that. So because only three games, uh, he started to struggle a bit in this game. Only on 17 snaps, so it's something that could have turned around easily. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a blow because it's it's a blow to your depth, anyways. Um, and the whole offseason, I, I was concerned about him. My whole concern was the secondary. It's like I, I'm not sure about the secondary. Randall's, you know, solidifying in that safety position. Denzel Ward is playing phenomenally. Uh, you know, locking down on, on the left side. He's grading out as our number three overall cornerback in coverage grade this year, which uh, I just I just looked up and kind of was a little bit surprised about. I, not not too shocked about, but um, didn't realize he was he was already number three. Um, and then the opposite side, you know, is obviously Terrence Mitchell, EJ Gaines, uh, TJ Carey was were battling out for the the right cornerback position, and obviously Terrence Mitchell won it. I still kept saying that they needed to, to sign more cornerbacks because yep. one guy goes down, like like Terrence Mitchell just did. It takes a, it's a blow to your death, and you have to stack up and just load up on the position because it's so important. And you saw what it looked like without him out there, where Carey and Gaines really struggled in this game. They both, uh, you know, gave up some big plays. Even BBC again giving up, you know, was on a. Didn't give up big plays, but he was holding on a on a pass play on a third down. It went incomplete. Um, so it's the, what are they going to do to replace him? Um, you know, I was discussing this with uh, some other people at PFF. You know, you could potentially make a trade for somebody if you wanted to fulfill some of that depth. I'm not positive there are any free agents out there that would be able to to fill that that position. But it's definitely uh, something that you know maybe. Jason McCourty would would have been nice to still have around, who's grading out as a, a number six cornerback overall in our in our system again this year. So um, it's not like uh, they had didn't have talent on there on the roster last year to they could potentially have again. Obviously, Greg Williams likes a certain style, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do to replace it because um, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a big blow to his team even if he's not grading out at an elite level, he was definitely a physical presence out there uh, and his his was creating turnovers because of his physicality. Yeah, my guess is I think we're going to see Gaines in this role getting the start. Um, he was kind of like one of the first guys that was brought in and then all of a sudden we heard the chirping of maybe he wasn't happy that they kept bringing in corner after corner. 
I don't want to spend an asset here. Um, it'd be different if we're talking about chasing down a division title or a wild card spot. If you want to poach somebody off a practice squad, that's I'm totally fine with it. Um, some people I've talked with in the organization, they do like um, uh, the, the, the waiver wire pickup that they brought in from the Arizona Cardinals and Tavier Thomas. Um, so maybe this could be a chance where you get somebody like that. But look, you know, let's develop what's here. Um, they know they have the cap space, and it's a lot prettier picture to sell to prospective free agents. They know they still have the draft. There's still draft capital there. So let's get the best idea through these next 12 games of who we, you know, what are going to be the focal points, what are going to be the needs. Uh, I think EJ Gaines could be the first guy up. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the number two cornerback position, you know, it, it looks like Mitchell's season's probably lost, you know, because when they say, you know, they think the season's in danger of a broken arm or a broken wrist, surgery's involved and usually it screws. And so that's probably what could lead to Terrence Mitchell not being back. But yeah, just, I wouldn't expect him back. I, I mean, and that was the thing. Once he, and he had the surgery today. It wasn't like, you know, normally there's like a let the swelling go down type of thing. He got back to Ohio. As soon as he got off the plane, they rushed him to the hospital. He had a surgery. So yeah. that's usually a sign it's over. Did you did you see what did you oh, see it was, when it happened? It, it, I mean, I saw yeah, it happen when it happened. I was like, yeah, that's broken. Like, yeah, gone. I mean, I knew it was done for. It's you know, it was a lot prettier than you know Tyler Eifert's ankle because it's only an arm and you know it's probably a little bit easier <laughs> to heal. But you know, still no stuff. It was just like yeah, uh, you, you know, you, his thumb basically was pointing at his chest and it wasn't because he was doing it. It was just the way it was. So yeah. you know, scary and freaky like that. Uh, John, uh, always appreciate the time here, guys. We're going to make this PFF, uh, you know, we'll go through the grades. And the best part is, is John, as much as he covers his team, can also give you his personal insight. So I do appreciate his time. Uh, like I said, guys, we're busy. He's got kids. I get kids. So it's always nice that John can make some time here for this. John, anything you uh, maybe didn't get to or you want to let everybody know of uh, before we uh, start to put uh, this puppy to bed? Yeah, I think, uh, um, you know, the whole whole rest thing that happened in the game you know essentially the browns had opportunities to win this outside of the refs and they didn't they didn't clinch it for themselves uh so we can you can moan and complain about the refs taking it away from them all you want uh the fact of the matter is is that they still had the opportunities to to win the game in the end and and failed to do so so um you know the officiating was bad both ways in the game and i think you know, uh, it, it's frustrating for Browns fans to see the, the team lose, and you can point to the refs, but uh, there were too many mistakes, and the Browns should have, should have put the game away long before it, uh, a you know, call being overturned inside two minutes by the by the booth, uh, and then you know, there's still game that was played after that, so well, that's all. And and here's the thing, and look, it is tough, and, and it's tough that you lost that way, but in the same respect, you gave up north of 500 yards. You gave up 45 points, and this is one that I've known for years that I was always told, you should never expect to lose a game if you score 40 points, but you should never expect to win a game if you give up over 40 points. Yesterday was just weird how it went down, but at the end of the day, guys, Baker Mayfield, the number one overall selection, had his first NFL start, and the Cleveland Browns scored 42 points. In a Sunday, in one day, guys, this was three, four weeks worth of point output in the past few years around here. Be excited about it. I mean, yes, I'm a little concerned about the defense because this is what we've seen, 
but I don't think we're going to see this defense continuously give up 45 points in over 500 total yards. Sometimes you've got to credit the opposition. And John Gruden, he's a pro's pro. And maybe he's starting to find his footing here again in the NFL. And like I told you guys, they were 0-3. They were backed in a corner with John Gruden brought back. These guys are pros too. And it just happened, didn't work out that way. But look, the future's still bright. That doesn't change what we've all thought to this point. And it, you can't just say the refs. Yes, do I disagree with the calls? Sure. But you should have never been in that position to begin with. Guys, follow John Costco at John K-O-S-K-O-3. Um, you know, read all the stuff over PFF. Those guys put in a ton of work over there. They don't sure change you in any aspect. Guys, follow the show at Locked On Browns. I always keep the Twitter account, uh, you know, follow back account. I appreciate you guys. Uh, keep feeding me what you want to hear. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, as far as everything else, like I said, we'll have Jake Burns for film. We'll do the crossover show. Uh, we're going to introduce the new uh, portion quarter mark. Uh, yes, my dog is in the background barking. The dogs let her in. That's awfully sweet of them for not listening. Um, but, guys, until tomorrow night, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.